Welcome to the Megan Walrod Show and to a world of magic, joy, and possibilities where you create a life and a business you love by prioritizing all that lights you up. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode number four of the Megan Walrod Show, Being Dangerous. Ooh la la. So I'm Megan Walrod and this topic chose me. It basically came to me and said, listen, babe, you've been talking with your listeners about living their yes and authoring their life and abracadabra. And before we go on and talk about anything else, we got to talk about being dangerous. So I'm curious what comes up in your world when you say those words, being dangerous. Because as we dive into this today and I share with you some stories and I'm going to be sharing with you some perspective shifts and pragmatic tools, I'm also going to be reading to you a little bit from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, and Elizabeth Gilbert's big magic. So that's all in the cauldron of the conversation with us today about being dangerous. And so as this topic came knocking on my door and said, we've got to talk about this before moving on, I realized this idea was absolutely correct. Because one of the things you may have noticed, this may not have occurred for you, so don't make it so. Don't align with me if you haven't had this experience. And yet, if you have listened to episodes one, two, and or three, and if you've started to, in episode one, I was talking about live your yes, and I was inviting you to prioritize what makes you happy, what brings you joy, what lights you up and including more of that in your life to create a life and a business you love. So if you started to choose that, and then you listen to episode two, which was all about author your life, and I was inviting you to really look at what is the story that you're living, and what is that creating? And is that the story you wanna be living? And I was empowering you to start to look at that as the author of your own life and empowering you to create your life as a choose your own adventure, being the sovereign, being the one in the driver's seat of your life. And so if you started to look at that, you may have experienced some perspective shifts and whole different ways of approaching your life and your business. And then episode three built on that, abracadabra, the power of words your capacity as a creator of magnitude to create your reality, your life, your world by paying attention to both episode two, the stories you're telling yourself and episode three, the words you're using. So if you haven't listened to the first three episodes yet, I just gave you a recap. If you have listened to any of those and you started to put some of those perspective shifts into action and those tools that I shared with you and did some of the home play I may have dared you to do as well. I'd be curious to hear from you about what you may have noticed. Because here's what I've seen in my own life and in my work with hundreds of clients over the last decade is that as we start to make different choices and actually be different, we often run into fear and doubt because you're going beyond your comfort zone. You're going beyond the territory and the terrain that is familiar to you. And so fear and doubt love to live at those edges and they can come up and say things like, are you sure you want to do this? And it can come up as like, 
paralyzing, mild or paralyzing fear of, holy shit, I just did that. I can't believe I just did that. Oh my God, I better retreat. Or the doubt that can be like, oh my God, who am I to do this? What are they going to think about me? Oh my gosh, do I even know what I'm talking about? It can even look like the imposter syndrome. So if any of that has come up for you, in response to listening to episodes one to three and putting those things into action, or even if you haven't listened to those episodes yet and you've experienced fear and doubt, you may have also experienced the sense of, holy shit, it's dangerous to prioritize what brings me joy. Holy, whoa, it's dangerous to actually acknowledge that I'm the creator of my reality and the stories and the words, oh my gosh. Now, this may have come up for you very much in your face that you're conscious to it. It may have come up in an unconscious way. And yet you may have noticed, oh, I've got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. And oh my gosh, all of a sudden, two feet on the brake. What's happening? What's going on? So all of this, I'm talking about this today as an invitation to any of that unconsciousness, bring it up even more into your consciousness so you can be at more choice with it. And what if that perspective of, oh my gosh, it's dangerous to make these different kinds of choices. What if the way that you have seen that as dangerous for you What if there's a different perspective on this? So what am I talking about? I want to share a story with you. So several years ago, I was participating in an advanced access consciousness class with one of the co-founders, Dr. Dane here. It was his Symphony of Possibilities class. So there I was, this was in the day when we would gather in hotel rooms and there weren't any masks and there were probably a little over a hundred people in the room. And I'd been standing at the mic to ask him a question all morning and I didn't yet get to the mic. I I didn't get my turn yet. So we took a break and we came back. I'm standing at the mic and like, I was trembling. I was very nervous, very excited, experienced all this just kind of inner tremble and shaking because what I wanted to raise up to him was definitely taking me beyond my comfort zone. But that's why I was standing at the mic. That's why I stood at the mic all morning and stood there until after break so that I could have a chance to receive some facilitation from Dane. And so if you've never participated in an access consciousness class, well, (laughs) how does it get any better? They're there as a choice. And one of the things that I love about these classes and experiences are that our questions and our willingness to ask for support is what really creates the class. So anyway, I digress. So I'm at the mic and Dane calls on me and we're having some conversation. Then he asks, if you could get anything out of this, what would it be? And I said, to know that it's so okay to be in my body and sexy and turned on and that it's not dangerous. And Dane said, but it is dangerous. And I said, then I want to be okay with that kind of danger. And Dane said, it is dangerous, but not to you. And as he said that, there was just kind of like, he even joked about it. The peanut gallery was all like, ooh, what? Huh? Tell us more, Dr. Dane. So there was just kind of like this ripple around the room of like, wait, what? What? It is dangerous, but not to you? Not to me? What? And he went on to say, it is dangerous, but not to you. Dangerous to the world around you that cannot control you or contain you when you're being you, when you're being in your body, when you're being turned on. And in that moment, total perspective shift. 
total perspective shift. And so invitation to you to look at this for yourself. What if that fear and that doubt that come up when you are being more fully embodied, being even more lit up and turned on and more expressed and prioritizing you in your life? What if that is actually, this is my perspective on it, the the taming and the training and the conditioning that's designed to keep you from being the dangerous disruptor that you truly are. And everywhere you haven't been willing to acknowledge your potency and your capacity to be a wave maker and create change and disrupt the status quo is now the time that you actually more consciously, more fully choose to acknowledge that. Because when we're actually willing to acknowledge, oh, I am a potent creator here and I'm actually here to fuck shit up, to shake the boat, to disrupt the patterns of the taming that tell me to be quiet, the taming that tells me to be small, to not be seen. Because what happens when I'm seen? What happens when I'm embodied? What happens when I'm sexual? What happens when I'm turned on? I'm not controllable. I'm not going to do what I'm told to do. And I'm going to be a pioneer that's going to trailblaze all new paths as an invitation to others to choose for them and to trust what they know instead of doubting. So tap in and tune in for yourself. Are you actually here to disrupt the status quo? Now, as you hear me ask this, you may be like, oh my God, yes, I've known this forever. Or you may be like, oh my gosh, yes, I've never acknowledged that. And yes, it is. Or you may be somewhere in the middle or somewhere along the spectrum of that. And yet, even in this moment, the acknowledgement of that even more so, what does that also invite you to acknowledge about how potent you are? The thing is, when we're not acknowledging that we're actually here to disrupt the status quo and that we're actually dangerous in that we destroy the status quo with our unique perspectives, our unique approaches to life and creating relationships and businesses and bodies and money and all of that being our magic in the world. When we're not acknowledging that, the fear and the doubt that we bump into, I call them the bouncers at the edge of our comfort zone, we buy those as true and real. So check this out for yourself. So let's make this super relevant to the right here, right now. So what's something in your world that you're looking to bring forth and create? Maybe you're in the midst of it. Maybe you've got a book that's wanting to come through you. Maybe you've started it, maybe you haven't yet a book, a podcast, a new program. Maybe the thing that's wanting to come through you is the thing that you haven't been saying to your partner or your kid or your business partner or your enjoyable others. Or maybe the thing that's been wanting to come through you is a completely different business approach or career shift or what, whatever it is, what is, what is that thing? Because here's the thing, the form doesn't really matter, but it's the way that we're playing in this reality of like making stuff. So 
bringing forth things into the world. So for me, the example I could share is about this podcast. So for you, what's the big magic thing? The thing that you're looking at bringing forth in the world. And Elizabeth Gilbert talks about big magic as this co-creation between an idea and a human. And an idea comes to a human or a humanoid and knocks on the door and says, hey, I would really love to exist in the physical realm. Will you create me? And the question is, are you going to say yes and start that co-creation? Or are you going to say no and close the door and let fear have its way with you instead of letting the big magic of co-creation have its way with you? So... So everywhere you may have said no to some big magic that's asking to co-create with you is now the time that you'd like to actually say yes. So that's a choice. So tap in and tune into that. You could choose yes now. And if fear and doubt have been holding you back. So here's the thing. So, so have fear and doubt been holding you back from bringing this forward? And if there's some big magic you've started to move forward with already, look at are there ways and places where fear and doubt have been having their way with you? So I was just facilitating a group of women in a call series called Untame Your Big Magic. And women were speaking to this about the, the fear and the doubt and how that had been holding them back because it felt really real and true. And the fear was, well, I'm afraid of being judged. If I bring this forward and it's so different from what anyone else is doing, I'm afraid I'll be judged. Or the doubt of, do I really know what I'm talking about? And this fear and the doubt felt crippling. And I've also gotten to run into these bouncers at the edge of the comfort zone, the fear and doubt as I've been in the process of launching this podcast and the voices of like, who the fuck do I think I am to be hosting something called the Megan Walrod show? I'm not Ellen. I'm not Oprah. Who am I to do this? All of those voices. And when I buy those stories as true and real, when you buy these stories as true and real, how they show, how, so get present to how do they show up in your life? What are the voices saying? And then notice the impact of that. Do you stop promoting yourself? Do you stop putting your things out there? If it's a book that you were starting to write or that was asking you to write it, did you just not take the time for it? Because sometimes this, these bouncers can be so unconscious that we wonder, why haven't I written that book over the last decade? That idea came to me a decade ago or five years ago or five months ago. Why, am I, why haven't I acted on it? It's possible that taming and that conditioning has been so unconscious that you just were prioritizing all these other things, taking care of other people, not being outspoken, all the things, right? So I'm talking about this with the intention of making it even more conscious. So again, like I said before, you can be at more choice with it. So look at how have fear and doubt been showing up for you? How does it look for you? Let's just make it really relevant to you. And then what's been the impact of letting fear and doubt have their way with you? So for me, I knew I wanted to start a podcast in 2016. I hired a podcast coach. I got the Yeti mic. I got the foam stuff you're supposed to put to make a really like soundproof chamber kind of thing. And there are a whole bunch of other things that have happened between 2016 and now. And fear and doubt were some of the players in that as well as overthinking and overcomplicating things back in the beginning. And so how have fear and doubt been holding you back? And what do fear and doubt feel like in your world, in your, in your body, when they're having their way with you? I know for me, it can feel so painful. It's like I'm contracted, I'm constricted. 
And so even when I know what they really are, it can still be painful. So that's why I want to unpack this with you. This title, the title of this podcast episode, <laughs> Being Dangerous, aka How to Facilitate Yourself Out of the Madness of This Reality and the Conditioning that we've been impelled and trained and tamed with since we were in the womb and for lifetimes and lifetimes. And so would you be willing to acknowledge yourself right now? And this is what I share with all my clients and I share it with you and I remind myself of this, that Every time you bump up into fear and doubt, rather than going into the wrongness of you and find those stories as real and true, would you be willing to actually see them as signposts saying, woohoo, hey, you're going into new terrain. You're making different choices. You're being something that you've never been before. You're doing things that you've never done before. You're in all new terrain. And what happens in the all new terrain sometimes until you really practice these tools over and over and really see them for what they are. And even then they may still crop up. It's like fear and doubt the imposter syndrome, the fraud patrol, they jump up and they're like, hey, no, you can't go out here because then you will become uncontrollable. You will be untamable. You will be potent beyond measure and we won't be able to control you anymore. So no, you can't go out there. So when you see them for what they are, lies, taming, conditioning, let them be signposts where you say, oh my God, yay, this is a great sign. I am disrupting my own status quo. And so when you can celebrate it and see them for what they are, then you're taking one step forward beyond them. And instead of them having control over you, you are now claiming your sovereignty to make different choices. And so you can look at them and instead of running away from them, instead of buying them as true and real, you can recognize them for what they are, taming, that only have the power that you give them. Fear and doubt only have the power that you give them. So when you acknowledge your potency and say, hey, I choose to keep going on this path. I know I'm here to create some big magic. So I'm going to keep moving forward. And it takes a certain fierceness with yourself and a willingness to be dangerous to keep moving forward and to not let those voices stop you. So what if though being dangerous doesn't mean being forceful, being pushy, being go, go, go proving? What if everything you've made being dangerous mean actually isn't necessarily true? What if being dangerous is about owning your potency, acknowledging your capacity to change and choose and make different choices again and again? And as one of my other mentors, teachers, Shannon O'Hara talks about, you've gotta be willing to be scary rather than scared. So here's the deal. If you're at a crossroads, I talked with you about this in episode two, Author Your Life, about those choose your adventure stories where you're at a crossroads. Now, do you want to, the treasures out there somewhere, do you choose to take the risk of swimming across the river with the alligators? Go to page 77. Or do you want to take the risk of going through the dark woods and hoping you survive to make it through the other side. If you choose that, go to page 29. Choose your own adventure. So you're at a crossroads. You hear the fear and doubt 
that are telling you it's dangerous to be fully expressed. It's dangerous to put yourself out there. What do you choose? Do you choose to listen to those? Or do you choose something else? This is where in episode three, I also talked about being ever fucking cadaver, acknowledging you can be, you have the ability, the capacity to be a walking, talking pattern interrupt. So it's in those moments that I invite you to interrupt the pattern where before you would let fear and doubt have their way with you. And instead begin to look at, okay, how much fun can you have being dangerous? How much fun can you have receiving other people's judgments? Because if that's one of the things that's been holding you back, fear of other people's judgments, judgment is just an energy. Instead of putting up those walls to protect yourself from other people's judgments or responding to their judgments with judgments of your own, what if you just lowered all those walls, lowered all those judgments, and received all the judgments coming at you as energy? Cha-ching, cha-ching. What if it's just energy and receiving and your capacity to receive more is actually going to show up in your bank account as well? Interesting point of view. Wouldn't that be fun? So here's another thing I want to talk about with the fear and doubt is that when you notice what that feels like in your body, in your world, it can feel really heavy. Like I talked about in my world, it can feel really contracting and constricting and just like my energy just like deflates and there's this heaviness. And in access consciousness, they talk about how what's light is true for you. What's light and expansive is true for you. And what's heavy is not true for you. And oftentimes it's just lies. So fear and doubt true or lies and which one do you wish to be living your life by and so light and heavy can be a great barometer and energy to tap in and tune into so when you're noticing wait a second i'm feeling really heavy and dense right now about this what's going on okay that's heavy okay what lie am i buying here And this can be one of those questions, I believe I shared this question in one of the earlier episodes too. This can be a question that you use to help you actually start to look at what is that taming and training that's been very unconscious that you've bought as real and true and is now the time to let that go. Now, here's an interesting thing about the heavy that I want to invite you to get even more discerning with. So when you've been choosing in ways of the teaming and the training that looks like people pleasing, and instead of prioritizing what lights you up and living your yes, like I talked about in episode one, Instead, you're prioritizing other people and you're making other people's judgments and points of views matter more than your own knowingness. And other people might be saying, I don't think that's a good idea for you. I don't think you should do that, which has you doubting yourself and not trusting your knowing. Like when you've lived much of your life in those kinds of patterns of the people pleasing, and I know I did, like grew up in a codependent, you know, all that, the delicious, not so delicious cocktail of codependence and dysfunction in the family system of all this, like all these ways of training to be pleasing others and prioritizing others over ourselves and be a martyr and be selfless because that's the way to go. And we don't include ourselves in our lives. When you start including yourself in your life, And choosing for you, as I talked about in episode one, it can feel really weird and unfamiliar 
So you may have had the experience of like, oh my God, this feels fabulous. I love this. I can't believe I waited until now to start doing this. And I'm going to do this more and more and more because it's just creating so much in my life. That's awesome. How does it get any better? And if you started to choose for you and prioritize all that lights you up, you may have started to feel weird and unfamiliar. And it may feel heavy Yet, I want to invite you to look at this. If it's feeling heavy for you, is there some lie that you're buying that you can't choose for you because when you choose for you, you're choosing against other people and you don't want to be choosing against your kids, your clients, your partner, your business colleagues, your this, your that. So the heaviness doesn't mean something is bad or wrong. It's the invitation to look at, oh, what lie am I buying? Or what am I aware of here? So this is where I'm going to get, invite you to like be really discerning and get really curious with the heaviness of what are you aware of? What lie are you buying? And what if choosing for you and prioritizing all that lights you up, what if that's not bad and wrong, good or right, yet it might have brought up that story of, oh, I'm choosing against someone else. And that's really dangerous because then there's a power struggle and there could be fighting. And so I'm going to invite you to look at that. And what if that's not actually true? Yet it's just exercising this new choice muscle of including you and choosing for you and how much of your life are you actually choosing against you every time you dismissed your knowing, every time you doubted what you actually knew and instead bought someone else's point of view of what's true and real that had you choosing against you. So this is where the untaming is really uncrossing those wires and beginning to really come home to yourself and trust yourself. And if there's still that heaviness, ask some of these questions, get curious about it and see what's really there. And even with being dangerous, For you, what comes up right now about being dangerous when you're in your potency? And so if you're having this point of view or this fear of, well, I can't be my full potency because then I'll destroy shit. I'm going to invite you to be with, okay, truth. If you are fully being the potency that you truly be, that is dangerous to the status quo, would you destroy stuff? And what's the stuff you'd actually destroy? Would you actually be destroying limitations? Would you actually be destroying however those limitations have been showing up in your world and your life? I've got a story for you that's actually not my story, but it comes from Glennon Doyle's Untamed. And if you haven't read this, I highly recommend it. And she tells the story. She tells a story. It's on page 45. So I'm going to read to you a little bit. I was afraid of what was inside of me. It felt powerful enough to destroy every bit of the lovely life I built. Like how I never feel safe on a balcony because what if I jump? It's okay, I told myself. I'll keep myself and my people safe by keeping my insides hidden. 
I was amazed at how easy this was. I was filled with electric thunder, simmering water, fiery red and gold, but all I had to do was smile and nod and the world would take me for easy, breezy blue. Sometimes I wondered if I wasn't the only one using her skin to contain herself. Maybe we are all fire wrapped in skin, trying to look cool. My boiling point was the moment Abby stepped through that doorway. Abby, in case you don't know the story about Glennon Doyle, Abby ended up becoming Glennon Doyle's partner and wife. But at the time, Glennon Doyle was married to a man who she had three children with. My boiling point was the moment Abby stepped through that doorway. I looked at her and I could no longer contain myself. I lost control. Fire red and golden rolling bubbles of pain and love and longing filled me, brought me to my feet, threw my arms open wide, insisting there she is. For a long while, I thought that what happened that day was some kind of fairy tale magic. I thought the words there she is came to me from on high. Now I know that there she is came from within. That wild rowdiness that had simmered for so long and then turned itself into words and lifted me was me. The voice I finally heard that day was my own. The girl I'd locked away at 10 years old. The girl I was before the world told me who to be. And she said, here I am. I'm taking over now. When I was a child, I felt what I needed to feel and I followed my gut and I planned only from my imagination. I was wild until I was tamed by shame, until I started hiding and numbing my feelings for fear of being too much, until I started deferring to others' advice instead of trusting my own intuition until I became convinced that my imagination was ridiculous and my desires were selfish, until I surrendered myself to the cages of others' expectations, cultural mandates, and institutional allegiances, until I buried who I was in order to become what I should be. I lost myself when I learned how to please. Sobriety was my painstaking resurrection. It was my return to wild. It was one long remembering. It was realizing that the hot electric thunder I felt buzzing and rolling inside was me, trying to get my attention, begging me to remember, insisting I'm still in here. So I finally unlocked and unleashed her. I set free my beautiful, rowdy, true wild self. I was right about her power. It was too big for the life I was living. So I systematically dismantled every piece of it. Then I built a life of my own. I did it by resurrecting the very parts of myself I was trained to mistrust, hide, and abandon in order to keep others comfortable. My emotions, my intuition, my imagination, my courage, those are the keys to freedom. Those are who we are. Will we be brave enough to unlock ourselves? Will we be brave enough to set ourselves free? Will we finally step out of our cages and say to ourselves, to our people and to the world, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. That is the journey of Glennon Doyle that she shares in Untamed and that she invited herself and now she invites women around the world into this conversation of seeing the taming, the training for what it is and being willing to destroy and dismantle the lives, the businesses, the relationships that have been based 
in limitation and the indoctrination of who you were told, I was told, we were told, we were supposed to be. So this is actually one of those very revolutionary, evolutionary conversations that I'm so grateful to be having, to have been living, to have been inviting you into as well, to recognize that this might not be for everyone. This willingness to let go of everything you've created, to have all the more that you know is possible, which includes and extends beyond all the more that you is, that you are. Not everyone's going to choose this. I'm choosing it. You might choose it. So would you be willing to acknowledge yourself for the, the gift that you are to be saying yes to having more of the greatness of you, yes to having more of what you know is possible and acknowledge that having that more requires the destruction of the limitations and the points of views and the stories and the taming that up till now may have had you in shackles, unconscious or consciously. So that willingness to be dangerous is required to break free of that. Now, I told you I was going to read you some Elizabeth Gilbert too. So let me share some of what she talks about with fear, because the way I talk about fear, I know there's a lot of different perspectives on fear. There's the acronym of fear of false evidence appearing real. There's the fear that in access consciousness, they talk about fear as a distractor. Because it basically distracts you from your potency. So I'll talk about Elizabeth Gilbert in just a moment and about her perspectives on fear. Yet before I do, I want to share with you a little bit more about that story of what unfolded that day in that conversation with Dane. So going back to that story that I was sharing with you about being in the, in the classroom, which was hotel room, in Denver, Colorado, in an advanced access consciousness class that Dr. Dane was facilitating. There were over a hundred people in the room. I'm at the mic, we're having this conversation. And at one point, he invited us all to look at how much, right, and I'm going to invite you right now to look at this, how much have fear and doubt been having their way with you? Like on a scale of one to 10, how much do they inhabit your, your day-to-day thinking, being, living, choosing, not choosing, having, not having, doing, not doing? A megaton, like off the charts, they're just with you all the time, limiting you like two feet on the brakes or zero or five. You got kind of one foot on the gas, one foot on the brakes, wondering what the fuck, what's it gonna take to have like all systems go? Keeping just enough of the acceleration and just enough of the brakes so you always maintain control and never truly leave the comfort zone so you can feel safe and secure in that bubble of the comfort zone. And what if there's no judgment of that? I know I've lived life that way myself. So what if there's no judgment of that? Not for me. Invitation to you to let go of any judgment of wherever you're at right now and where you've been for the last several decades. Just acknowledge it, to be present with it. 
so that then you can actually be at more choice. If you'd like to choose something else, you're always at choice though. You're always at choice. So notice that fear and doubt, how much have they been having their way with you? And now, what if they're actually, so let's say you said 100%, they're dictating your life all the time. Now imagine if fear and doubt are dictating you, they're like this brick wall around your comfort zone that may be actually really close. And it may be kind of like you're living in this brick surround world. And often what we tend to do is go unconscious to that. And yet they live there as these walls that keep us from actually receiving what we're asking for. How can money find its way to us when we have these brick walls up? How can a new partner or enjoyable other show up when we've got the walls up? How can those new clients and possibilities actually reach us when those brick walls are up? So the fear and doubt, brick walls, barriers that go up, what if those are actually just the smoke screens like I'm talking about, just bouncers, false evidence appearing real that are just actually distractions? What do I mean by distractions? If fear and doubt are controlling and dictating your world, your attention is always fixated on them. Instead of, what else is possible here? Who am I really when I'm not being afraid? What else is available to me when I'm not doubting my knowing? By the way, those are great questions that you could use and be playing with when you're pivoting and being a pattern interrupt away from the fear and doubt onto what else is possible. So again, that perspective from access consciousness is these fear and doubt, they're smoke screens, they're distractions from your potency. So when you're, if you're willing to choose beyond the fear and the doubt, those brick walls can come down. And now though, something else is required of you if you choose it. And that would be, are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to be naked to the world? This is what Dane was talking with us about that day in that facilitation. Are you willing to be the kind of naked that is so vulnerable to the world and to yourself that you're not using those smoke screens anymore? And, and you might equate being dangerous with I know it's easy to equate being dangerous with like, I got the armor on, I've got the sword, I've got the staff, I've got the bazooka, I've got the cannon, I've got the knives, I've got the fill in the blank of whatever weapons, I've got the shields, I've got all the gear. Holy fuck, how heavy is that? And is it time to put down all the weaponry and all the smoke screens? and all the fear and the doubt, lowering all of those barriers and walls and be the vulnerability of you that in and of itself, when you're being vulnerable, when I'm being vulnerable, no smoke screens, no bullshit, no stories, here I am. There is a potency there that is capable of disrupting the status quo and the bullshit and the lies. And so play with that for yourself. Everywhere that you've equated being vulnerable with being impotent and weak and undefended and unsafe all of those interesting points of views that actually dismiss the power and the potency available to us when we're willing to be vulnerable. No barriers. Aware of what you know, trusting what you know, and being able to see through fear and doubt for what 
They are distractors that want to keep you controlled and contained. So I have a sense that right, or, right about now, you might be like, but, but, but fear is more than a smoke screen. Fear actually serves a purpose. Like it's important to be able to be, have fear otherwise. Okay. I heard you. Now I want to respond to that. Elizabeth Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, page 22, talks about the fear you need and the fear you don't need. Now, okay, so I'm going to read Elizabeth Gilbert. So now you probably think I'm going to tell you that you must become fearless in order to live a more creative life. But I'm not going to tell you that because I don't happen to believe it's true. Creativity is a path for the brave, yes, but it is not a path for the fearless. And it's important to recognize the distinction. Bravery means doing something scary. Fearless means not even understanding what the word scary means. I'm going to skip a paragraph in case you're reading with me, in case you own the book. The truth is you need your fear for obvious reasons of basic survival. Evolution did well to install a fear reflex within you because if you didn't have any fear, you would lead a short, crazy, stupid life. You would walk into traffic. You would drift off into the woods and be eaten by bears. You would jump into giant waves off the coast of Hawaii despite being a poor swimmer. You would marry a guy who said on the first date, I don't necessarily believe people were designed by nature to be monogamous. So yes, you absolutely do need your fear in order to protect you from actual dangers like the ones I've listed above. But you do not need your fear in the realm of creative expression. Seriously, you don't. Now, I wanna pause from Elizabeth Gilbert for a moment to speak into another perspective about this. So she's talking about you do need fear for basic survival, like a certain amount of fear, like that kind of fear is important for your survival. Now, I'm going to invite you to check this out for yourself. Is it actually fear or is it awareness? When I went on a backpacking safari adventure in South Africa with a small group of women and a couple of local guides from the Zulu tribe, we were walking in the terrain where these amazing, wild, dangerous creatures lived in their natural habitats. Besides us, as wild natural creatures, we were walking in terrain where there were elephants and rhinoceros and lions and alligators and all kinds, all kinds of amazing, amazing creatures. That was such an incredible adventure. And I can't remember the names of our guides right now, but they were amazing. We would walk in a single file. We walked every day, miles and miles. We carried everything we required on our backs in big backpacks. And we'd walk in silence, single file, one of them in front, one of them in the back. And one day, It was in the afternoon. Our guide in the front put up his hand in a fist in the, in the signal of stop. And then he motioned for us to back up. And our guide in the back came up to check in with the first guide to see what was going on and then led the rest of us around this spot to get into safety. And it wasn't until we followed him in silence around and up and down and through and to a different spot where we would be able to see what the first guide had been aware of. And that was when we were look, able to look over and see that had our first guide not been aware of his surroundings and tracking and tuning in and knowing that there was something that could potentially be dangerous. We might've walked right into a mother rhinoceros and her baby. Now we were able to see them from a perspective where the 
downwind, upwind. We got upwind so that she couldn't smell us and far enough away so that we would minimize any sense. This was our, you know, to not be a threat either way. And yet, was it actually fear operating in our guide or was it awareness? And when we're actually opening our awareness barriers down, how much more are you actually able to perceive what might be up and coming that requires different choices from you without putting up the barrier and the smoke screen of fear as the illusion of protection? So just an interesting point of view around, is it really fear or is it awareness and having that awareness? So moving on with Elizabeth Gilbert about fear, the kind you don't need. So she says, but you do not need your fear in the realm of creative expression. Just because you don't need your fear when it comes up, when it comes to creativity, of course, doesn't mean your fear won't show up. Trust me, your fear will always show up, especially when you're trying to be inventive or innovative. Your fear will always be triggered by your creativity because creativity asks you to enter into realms of uncertain outcome and fear hates uncertain outcome. Your fear programmed by evolution to be hypervigilant and insanely overprotective will always assume that any uncertain outcome is destined to end in a bloody, horrible death. Basically, Elizabeth Gilbert says, your fear is like a mall cop who thinks he's a Navy SEAL. He hasn't slept in days, he's all hopped up on Red Bull, and he's liable to shoot at his own shadow in an absurd effort to keep everyone safe. And safe is in quotes. This is all totally natural and human. It's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of, she says. It is, however, something that very much needs to be dealt with. So she goes on to talk about her approach to creativity is she talks about how she made a decision long ago that if I want creativity in my life, that I'll have to make space for fear too. So she talks about it, her creativity and her experience with big magic is that she's on a road trip with creativity and they're in the front seat. Fear gets a seat in the back. Fear doesn't get to touch the radio dial, the maps, or do any backseat driving. And that is her approach to living a creative life while acknowledging fear will come up. You just don't have to judge it or yourself or make it bad or wrong or good and true and align with it. So you don't have to resist, react to it or agree and align with it. Cause as soon as you do that, the fear has control and you're giving it your power. So I love this. There's a visual of you've got you and creativity in the front seat. You can be driving. Creativity's got the map. You're turning up the radio station. You're dancing. You're jamming out. Whether you're singing, you know, whatever it is you want to be singing. I used to love, I love road trips. And I love singing out loud when I'm, when I'm taking these solo road trips. And I used to love singing Indigo Girls, Closer to Fine. That was just like one of those songs that just mm, felt it. And so fear backseat. And so she talks about how the less she fights with fear, the less it fights back. And she says, if I can relax, fear relaxes too. In fact, she cordially invites fear to come along with her everywhere she goes. She writes a beautiful thing, uh, a beautiful invitation that reads like this. Dearest fear, creativity and I are about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. I acknowledge that you believe you have an important job to do in my life and that you take your job seriously. Apparently, your job is to induce complete panic whenever I'm about to do anything interesting. May I say, you are superb at your job. So by all means, keep doing your job if you feel you most. 
But she goes on to acknowledge that creativity will be doing its job and creativity and she are the only ones who will be making any decisions along the way. And so my invitation to you, however you choose to be with fear, whether you acknowledge it as a smokescreen and a distraction, let it go. You might use the access consciousness clearing statement or whether you choose to write a letter to it. And like Elizabeth Gilbert does, she says, listen, I know you're going to come up. You're in the back seat, though. So either way, what could it create for you if you did not make fear or doubt bad or wrong or good and right? Don't align with the story. Don't resist the story. Just recognize that's what's happening on the edge of your comfort zone. And as an infinite being, we'll get into that more in future episodes. Do you actually have an edge to your comfort zone? No, your infinite energy, space, and consciousness. Yet it is in these places when you're on the creative edge of your life, of your business, of your expression, of your embodiment, of your sexualness, of your relating, of your money, of your receiving, of your having, all of that there can be this wonkiness. And so when you can actually see the wonkiness for what it is, as I talked about in the beginning, these bouncers, the fear and doubt, the taming, the training, telling you it's dangerous, don't keep going, something bad and wrong will happen to you. That's your job. Remember the, the alternative title for this being dangerous episode is how to facilitate yourself out of the madness of this reality. So you get to choose and become even more present and conscious to when there's a foot on the brake, when there's those voices of fear and doubt, of remembering what I talked about with what's light is true for you, what's heavy is often not true for you. So what lie are you buying? Recognize that and then begin to play with what else is possible here for you? When you acknowledge that being you is the biggest danger to the status quo, is the biggest disruption to a reality that wants to invalidate you, that wants you to doubt your knowing, that has been teaching you from a very young age not to trust yourself, to listen to what you're told to do, to not listen to that voice inside that actually knows. And so the being dangerous is an invitation to actually acknowledge your power, your potency, your power of choice, and to also, be willing to recognize that you are destroying limitation when you're willing to be dangerous. And something else that Elizabeth Gilbert says, I love this. She says, why it's worth it. Page 26 in her book, Big Magic. It isn't always comfortable or easy carrying your fear around with you on your great and ambitious road trip. I mean... Okay, I said that out of context, sorry, scratch that. It's not always comfortable, but it's always worth it because if you can't learn to travel comfortably alongside your fear, then you'll never be able to go anywhere interesting or do anything interesting. And that would be a pity because your life is short and rare and amazing and miraculous and you want to do really interesting things and make really interesting things while you're still here. I know that's what you want for yourself because that's what I want for myself too. It's what we all want. And this is the part I love, love, love. And you have treasures hidden within you, extraordinary treasures, and so do I, and so does everyone around us. And bringing those treasures to light takes work and faith and focus and courage and hours of devotion. And the clock is ticking and the world is spinning and we simply do not have time anymore to think so small. We simply do not have time anymore to think so small. 
small being fear, small being the doubt, small being all those limitations that tell you it's dangerous to be you. It's dangerous to be expressed. It's dangerous to be all these things, untaming your big magic and bringing it forth into the world. So Another thing that Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that goes along with what Glennon Doyle was talking about with like that fiery red and gold and all that inside of her, that just when she saw Abby walk in the room, she was just like, here she is, and realized it was her voice saying to herself, here I am. What if that fire and those, that potency is in you, you know it. You know it. And Elizabeth Gilbert talks about it as these treasures. She says, one of the things the universe loves to do is hide these treasures inside of us and then stand back to see if we have the courage to dive in and discover them and bring them forth into the world, to share them with ourselves and with the world. And she says, those treasures, she asks, do you have the courage to do that? Those treasures? They're hoping you'll say yes. So that's my invitation to you to go forth and see how you can play with this today, how you can, I was going to say own this and make this yours, but actually I'm gonna invite you to check in with what you know about this. What do you know about being dangerous? What do you know about what you may have been choosing and using as inventions and lies and smoke screens to keep yourself small and limited? And what if instead of judging yourself, recognize that's the taming and you get to make another choice right here, right now, and again in the next moment, and again in the next moment. And what would it be like to move forward from here being dangerous, using these tools, being the pattern interrupt, being the potent creator of magnitude that you are. And how much fun can you have being the wave maker that you're here to be? I wonder. Thank you for listening to The Megan Walrod Show. My intention is to inspire more women with the possibilities available to them to create a life and a business they love. So if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and share this episode with somebody who you know who might be looking for more magic, joy, and possibilities. For more information about how to join me in an upcoming class or other adventure, visit me on meganwalrod.com.